Letter number 17. What's in a name? My dear students, now that we have a more descriptive sense of our five core Torah values, it is very clear that we have a language problem, and I need your help to solve it. We use a lot of labels within Judaism, and they are important because they help us understand who we are. But religious taxonomies also limit us and often fail to fully capture our reality and the nuanced nature of our commitments. Take, for example, the words we currently use to describe segments of the Ashkenazic Jewish population. The terms reform, conservative, and orthodox were phrases coined for denominations developed largely in the 19th and 20th century. Call it the impact of postmodernism, call it the passage of time, but these labels are increasingly losing their original meanings and force. While there are still synagogues, rabbinical seminaries, and youth organizations associated with these movements, these do not appear to be compelling ways of thinking about Judaism in North America today. Looking ahead, demographic polls indicate that these terms will likely write themselves out of history. The story these polls are telling is that the two categories of growth in the diaspora in the next 30 to 40 years will be the orthodox and the unaffiliated. The latter term is often used in research, as well as nuns to refer to Jews and others from Judaism plays little or no role in their construction of identity. Through non-membership, high intermarriage rates, and weak or no Jewish education, many Jews, without a real injection of Jewish meaning, will cease to find in Judaism a marker of who they are. The words affiliated and unaffiliated are largely measures of belonging relevant to nonprofit organizations and houses of worship, but doing Jewish today for many Jews does not involve any of these labels or rubrics. You can find personal Jewish meaning in ritual, study, and community while not being a member of any formal structure. The terms are less relevant and less descriptive of who we are now. The dividing lines are blurred for some and not at all relevant for others. The number of Jews who identify as Orthodox is on the rise in contemporary sociological studies that once upon a time predicted its demise. It seems that Judaism in the diaspora will become either a very superficial ethnic identity or one that indicates a deep and lifelong commitment. Although we should approach demographic studies with some skepticism, we have, after all, outlived predictions of Jewish demise for centuries, we can see the patterns playing out already. The question of the future, and some may argue the present, will not be what denomination you belong to, but whether or not you are serious about Judaism in whichever way you practice it. Within Orthodoxy, we also use language that can be misleading. While you're here and throughout your life, you will hear certain words describing Orthodoxy today. Open Orthodoxy, Modern Orthodoxy, Centrist Orthodoxy, Why You Machmir, Ultra-Orthodoxy, Neo-Hasidic, Haredi, and Right-Wing Judaism. There are probably more labels that I don't know. You may find that one of these labels suits you, or you might feel unsure where you belong. Maybe none of these words really describes you, or maybe you don't want to be pigeonholed into any category. One glaring challenge is in our choice of language to describe our religious commitments. Phrases like modern orthodox are wanting. Ask a group of people to describe the ideology of modern orthodoxy, and you'll likely get a host of different answers, even on this campus. And the label carries questionable and false implications. Modern implies that our view of Judaism, which balances a full set of Torah values while embracing and contributing to society, is new. It's actually very old, dating all the way back to Sinai. 
In addition, modern and ultra-Orthodox are generally seen as measures relative to each other rather than understood on their own terms, as if Orthodoxy were placed on a linear spectrum in which there is a less and more paradigm. Ultra-Orthodoxy in this range is more. Modern Orthodoxy is less. In such a model, students who are passionate about their Judaism might mistakenly assume that their modern Orthodox community is less than that of the ultra-Orthodox, who are the real deal, uncompromising and true. While labels may be helpful for outsiders, their superficiality creates deep problems and dramatic distortions for insiders. A more accurate description of our thinking is cited in the name of Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik. When the two Jewish values of saving a life and keeping Shabbat were in conflict, he was not make a lenient about the laws of Shabbat, he famously said, but Machmir stringent about the laws of saving lives. What he was highlighting is that there are a multitude of Torah values, and the correct Torah orientation is one that upholds and honors all of these values. It's a maximalist view of a Torah commitment. Specific circumstances will require you to choose how to navigate competing values at a moment in time. But even in such cases, the other values do not disappear, nor are they necessarily less important. When saving a life competes with the laws of Shabbat, one will need to choose what to do, but both life and Shabbat remain holy and precious. Highlighting this point is that given a slight shift of circumstances, such as a changed level of risk, one might reassess and arrive at a different conclusion. It is precisely our range of values and our commitment to that range that allows us to respond to an ever-changing world with the confidence that Allah can address whatever dilemmas we may confront with sensitivity. Within this perspective, Torah Judaism advocates many different values. Our most central and pressing life issues are rarely a case of simply doing more than or doing less than, being more than or being less than. When we do what we perceive is more, it often comes at the sacrifice of another equally compelling value. If, for example, your religious quest leads you to a place of greater isolation and separation, with greater borders and boundaries between you and the rest of society, you sacrifice your ability to shape, influence, and lead in that society. If you place yourself in a fortress to shield yourself from negative influences, you will also be less capable of bringing Torah to the rest of the Jewish people and to the world. But by the same token, if you're out in the world without a sophisticated filtration system, and if you don't think about protecting and shielding yourself from negative influences, you are putting yourself at significant risk to lose the strength of your commitment. Here, too, you'll not be able to lead an influence. Rabbi Sajigon, in his introduction to Menot Videot, compares exposing one's faith to pernicious influences to going out in extremes of temperature without adequate protection. We would not do that to our bodies, nor should we do it to our souls. At YU, we provide you with the skills, tools, and role models to deepen the threshold of intensity when it comes to your learning and Torah observance, while at the same time empowering you to go out into the world as beacons of light who will make important contributions as citizens. Life questions such as what community you should live in or what literature you read are not more or less issues. They involve balancing priorities and calibrating them with the consciousness that the Torah demands us to uphold a multiplicity of values. One of our educational goals at Yeshiva is to help students prioritize these values and live by them. 
Unfortunately, many people still talk about YU as if we were in the 60s and 70s, using language and ideas that do not resonate with an emerging generation of students. Even more problematic is that these labels at times create unnecessary divisions. The labels of modern and centrist orthodoxy are terminologies and outmoded frameworks that diminish the kind of thinking we need for the 21st century. I am not sure what language we should be using to describe the kind of Judaism we promote at YU. In Israel, the term dati lumi literally means national religious and has political overtones. As we are religious Zionists, maybe a more apt phrase is Torani tzioni, as it communicates our commitment to Torah, Israel, and redemption. I'm also partial to Torah Judaism, as our educational philosophy comprises the full complement of Torah values. I'm struggling to find the right words to describe a Judaism, not a denomination, that is rich in mitzvot, study, ethics, tefillah, piety, and chesed, while engaging with the larger world in the quest to bring redemption. Our objective is to sanctify God's name in the world, in the spirit of Ishayo's prophecy, which is impossible to do if we don't engage with the world. We need to wrap our language around our values, but instead we use limited descriptions of ourselves that invite weak and often meaningless comparisons with the practice and beliefs of other Jews. One thing is clear. We need a new lexicon for today's new dilemmas that stays true to our ancient wisdom. As the emerging generation of committed Jews, this will largely be your work to find the words and the language to describe the Judaism of the future, one that is deeply engaging and inspiring, demanding and loving. I encourage you to engage in that conversation and help me, help us, discover the language of the present and future. Vivracha Ari Berman.